Sometimes it may not feel like it, but we're winners. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you today. Loving what is happening in our church and people that I see, the growth is sometimes, you know, when, when we do what we do and the fight is real and sometimes discouraging and all those things and emotions that we feel and something happens where I'm like, that's why we do what we do. No matter what happens, no matter what makes us happy or sad, no matter anything else, that's why we do what we do. And when we come back to that, when we come back to that purpose and that reason, that's the win every single time. Life change. Life change and transformation, those are the wins. We're in our Freedom Series, and I, this is the last week of Freedom Series for this month, and it has been a doozy. Anybody agree? Man. Pastor Andrew started out week one with talking about what Jesus did for us and, and being free and, and the life he's designed for us. And then we follow in week two about what we think and how that affects who we are because the Bible says as a man thinks, as a man, it's, you know, that's a neutral gender thing in the Bible. As we think in our heart, that's what we become and that's who we become. And, and what we imagine in our minds is what transpires in our life. And then, and then the next week was about what we speak and about speaking life and speaking freedom because the Bible says if we have faith as a little grain of mustard seed, we can speak to a mountain and it has to move. And last week, really got in our business. Anybody else besides me get hurt last week? The Bible says that the Word of God is quicker than a two-edged sword. It cuts in and out at the same time. And, and sometimes it just does that to us because there are things in our life that need, need to change. And we talked about freedom through forgiveness last week. And that will, that will get in your business because we all carry hurts. We all carry stuff. That, that have a, that's affected us and shaped us, and we need to get past those things. Today, we're going to wrap all this up in a nice little package and how it all relates. We're going to talk about the fight for freedom because if you're going to be free, there's going to be a fight. You think, you, do you think Satan's going to give you up that easily because you made a declaration? Because you said you forgive somebody last week? Or because you're watching the words that come out of your mouth? Or because you, you try to think different thoughts or you, you understand that Jesus has made you free. Do you think Satan's going to give you up that easily? No. He's got too much invested in you. He's got too much invested in me. And he's got, he's got high hopes for us just like Jesus has high hopes for us. And he's not going to let us go that easily. In, in the harbor of New York, there stands a lady. In the harbor of New York, there stands a lady that symbolizes freedom to the world. Right? She was given to America by the French, and assembly was complete in October of 1886. She's a symbol of freedom to the entire world, standing 305 feet tall. She's a big girl. She was and is a beacon of hope to the millions and millions of immigrants coming to freedom, arriving in America. And if there's any doubt about what we are, we are a nation of immigrants. I'm not going to get political, but we are a nation of immigrants. And the only true blood Americans we pushed out when we got here. Right? That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm a mutt. I'm not a purebred anything. I'm a descendant of immigrants. 99.999% of us are descendants of immigrants. 
Thank you very much. But the Statue of Liberty, she stands for, Lady Freedom stands for freedom and coming to a place to give you a better life, to, to exercise liberties and freedoms that you haven't experienced before. She's a symbol of freedom to the entire world. On her base is an inscription of a portion of a poem, The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And that's what she is about. It's about freedom. It's about if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're oppressed, come to this place because it's a safe place. And it's a free place. And everybody, say everybody. Everybody. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. That's what America stands for. That's who we are. And that's how we all got here, to enjoy freedom. That's hope and promise. That's phenomenal. That's the good life. She was what people saw when they were on their journey to become free. They had fought all manner of adversity to get to that point, and all their sacrifice and fighting had won their freedom. America has become a beacon of freedom. We enjoy freedom that very few places on earth are privileged to experience our freedom is still the primary reason immigrants flock to our great nation. But as Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. Scripture says it like this, to whom much is given, much is required. You'll find out most of our catchphrases and cute things that we say about life and how karma is and all that kind of stuff has roots in Scripture. Before there was karma, there was you, you reap what you sow. Right? It's all, it, it all stems from the genesis of everything we do is in the Word of God. Why? Because before there was anything, He was. And He is. And He will be. Amen? The Bible says He is the author and the finisher of what? Our faith. He is everything. He is in us. He's through us, he's for us, he's around us, he's everywhere us is. That's just how it is. But as Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. The responsibility is that with the freedom that we enjoy and that we experience, it becomes our mandate to share freedom with those who do not have it. This mandate has often earned America the nickname of the cop of the world. And it, yes and no, I, I, I really I try not to get into any political phrase, and some people embrace that role, and some people really just want to take care of ourselves and stay in our own borders and lock our borders and not worry about the rest of the world. But what, what, what did Jesus say when we were commissioned, when, when he was getting ready to go away and he had, he had appeared to his disciples, and it was Acts chapter 1, he said, you shall be witnesses. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses where? In Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 2.39 says the promise of the Holy Ghost was to as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we become the hands and feet of Jesus because he's not here in person. So in the same manner that the gospel is spread, freedom is spread because the gospel is freedom. 
But the freedom that we experience as a nation is spread throughout the earth by Americans and by what we do. And, and it's, you can say all kinds of things from both sides of the story. And there's probably distorted things going on right now as we speak that I wouldn't approve of, that I don't know about. But at the end of the day, we stand for freedom. And there have been times and there will be times in the future where we go to bat for somebody who's being oppressed. And we step in when somebody's stepping on somebody. That's what freedom does. We protect it, we celebrate it, but we spread it. Does that make sense? Freedom requires a fight. Do you know why the French, the, the French gave us the Statue of Liberty? Because our relationship with them in the Revolutionary War. Freedom requires a fight. Jesus fought the fight for us on Calvary when he assumed all of our sin, past, present, and future. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. For who? For you and for me. So we don't have to experience all that. He fought that fight for us, and I'm so very thankful for that. But just, as, just like freedom of our nation and four other nations requires vigilance and fighting, so does our spiritual freedom. Everything we've talked about in the prior four weeks of this series requires fighting. Because as I said a few minutes ago, Satan is not going to give up on you. He's not going to stop trying to make you fail. He's not going to stop trying to make you fall. He's going to keep after you. Why? Because he wants, the Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That sounds violent. We fight to maintain our freedom and to bring freedom to others. So let's start with this scripture, Ephesians 6. See, I'm just getting started. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against those are things you can't see, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle, we fight. This is our enemy. The first thing you have to do when fighting someone, when trying to beat something, is what? Identify your enemy. This is our enemy. Sometimes I feel like I'm my own worst enemy. Anybody else? But this is really who and what we're fighting. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for clean minds. Anybody else want a clean mind? Does anybody else wish you could F1 your mind? That's just a, in, the, in, in the computer world, that is like a complete reset of your computer, I think. Isn't that right? I think some of y'all thought I was cussing or something. Come on, people. Dear Jesus, help us all. Clean minds. I think I just said clean minds. When we F1 our hard drive, it cleans it. It wipes it. As clean as it can get, it reformats it. I wish I could do that to my mind because there are things I have thought and things I have seen and things I have heard that I really wish I could never access again. Anybody else wish that? We're fighting for clean minds. All we can do is change going forward. We can't undo what we've done. We can't undo what we've seen and what we've heard. We can just change. We, we can experience life change going forward. I want a clean mind. I'm fighting for a clean life. I'm fighting for a clean life. I'm fighting for a clean mouth. <laughs> yes. We're fighting for peaceful and secure homes. Homes that are a refuge. 
homes that are full of peace and laughter and joy. We're fighting for those things, and the enemy of our soul wants us not to have those. He wants us to be contentious all the time. He wants us to fight and not have peace in our homes, and our homes not be a place of refuge that we can go in and rest and, and be safe from the world. He doesn't want that for us. Why? Because he wants our minds in turmoil, and he wants us weak. I'm fighting for a secure home. I'm fighting for a healthy and a godly family. I'm fighting for our future. I'm fighting for our kids' future. Those are the things that we're all fighting for. And it's worth a fight. And we want to do the right thing, don't we? We want to do the right thing every time. We want to be considered good. Do you really know anybody, even the bully? The bully is just insecure and misunderstood. You understand that, right? They, they weren't born mean. We want to be, there's something in all of us that we want to be considered a good person. And you're here today, you want to be considered a godly person. You want to be considered someone who's pursuing Jesus with everything in you and that who's, who's experienced life change because of what he did for you on the cross. And you want to, to share that freedom with other you. I know you do. Because you're here and you're listening to me. I know this about you. But it's hard sometimes. Isn't it? Anybody? Who knows it's hard sometimes to to be good and to be godly and to be even decent and civil to some people. Some people make it really hard. I'm getting some mm, now. It's hard... It's hard sometimes. We can go a step further and say it's hard a lot of the time. Right? We can say it's hard. Who wants to say it's hard all the time? Most of the time. We can be honest. This is a safe place for you to be honest and real. I don't want fake church. I don't want fake believers. I want real and authentic. And we can be real here and say the struggle is real. And it's consistent. And it's all the time. The fight is real. And we, we fight to maintain our freedom. Listen what in, in Romans. Romans 7, 21. So I find this law at work. He didn't say I find this situation. Or I find this thing that occasionally happens. Romans 7, 21 says, I, we think it's Paul that wrote this book. And if you don't know, the apostle Paul was... When, when he, he persecuted Christians, he put them in jail. He messed with them. He hurt them. The Apostle Paul to Christians was like the Terminator coming for what's-his-face. Or what's-her-face back in the Terminator in the 80s. That's who the Apostle Paul was from Sarah. Is that her name? The Apostle Paul coming to a Christian village is like the Terminator coming for Sarah. Stuff's going to get hurt and blown up and messed up. That's who he was. And he was converted and went on to write most of the New Testament. So don't think you're too bad for Jesus. So none of y'all have done that, right? Right. So we're good. All of us in here are worthy. Not really, but you get, you get my, my, my point. So he said, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, I want to. With everything in me, I want to do good. I want to be good. Evil is right there with me. Wah, 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 wah. What a downer. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, my innermost part of who I am, my soul, I delight in God's law. But I see another law. It's not situations. He's saying it's a law. Another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin 
at work within me. What a wretched man I am. <laughs> what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said there's a law at work. It's not an occasion. It's not a situation I find myself in. There's a law at work that when I want to do good, when I want to do the right thing, when I want to be who I'm called to be, that evil is right there present with me. I literally, you may not because you may be better than me, but it's like I walk through every day, and here's God, and here's Satan. Because when I would do good, what God is calling me to do, evil is right there with me. That means when I have the choice to do the right thing, I will have the choice also to do the wrong thing. When I have the choice to say the right thing, I will have the choice to say the wrong thing. There is a law, there's, it's, it's the sinful nature inside of me that is at war with my spiritual nature. I, when I was a youth pastor way back in the 90s when I was a lot younger and lighter and had less gray hair, I would say this, there, there's two dogs. Think about the, when, when a dog has puppies and there's always the runt and there's always the big one. Why is the big one the big one and the runt the runt? Because the big one pushes the little one out of the way and he eats more. That's why you have a big dog and a little dog. In a litter of puppies. And the big dog is big because he ate more. I'm bigger because I ate more. True story. Whichever one of those you feed more, the spirit inside of you that wants to pursue God and do the right thing, or the flesh inside of you that wants to do the wrong thing, whichever one you feed more, whichever one you nurture more, is the one that will win the majority of the time. It's a law at work in me. And that will dictate. That will dictate whether I win this battle or not. Because make no mistake, it's not just I come to church and I'm going to be saved and everything is going to be great. There is a battle going on inside every one of us that we have to fight on a daily basis. And no one, no one is exempt. He said, my inner being delights in following Jesus and having a relationship with him. But there's another law that's always trying to do what? To make me a prisoner. Being a prisoner is the opposite of living in freedom. It's the opposite of experiencing freedom. And if I listen, if I give in to that nature that's inside of me that's trying to drag me away from God and imprison me, I will not live the life of freedom that God has designed me to live. It goes against God's will for all of our lives. Let's, let's break it down like this. I'm trying to live in freedom. And I'm, all the things I'm going to say, I'm going to say I, so I'm not trying to put it on you, okay? Because you may not struggle with any of this, so I'll just take it all today. We're trying to be free from addictions and vices and anything that would hold us down. Any kind of destructive behavior, we're trying to be free of it, Right? So the law that, that Paul's talking about here breaks down like this. When God shows me my future... It's all going to be about me right now, so you don't have to claim ownership for any of this. When God shows me my future, Satan will remind me of my past and tell me why I can't be who God has called me to be. Understand, when, when, when God shows me my future, what he's, this, this battle, this, this God and Satan on my shoulders, right and left, left, right, I don't care which side you put them on, they're there. 
And when God shows me my future, when I read Jeremiah and it says, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, thoughts to prosper you and give you an expected. And when I read those scriptures like that, and when it says, greater things than these shall ye do, and he's talking about what Jesus did on earth. When I, when I see scriptures like that, Satan is going to be quick to remind me of all the stupid stuff I've done, the places I've been, the people I've hurt, and tell me why I cannot be who God has called me to be. And just the very fact that the word can't or cannot is in that sentence should tell you something. Because scripture all says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is being written by the Terminator. That's what we'll call Paul today. We'll call Paul the Terminator because when he came to a village, people ran. Scattered like cockroaches. Gone. Because they don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to be thrown in prison. So when the Terminator writes this, oh, what a wretched man I am. I've got this war inside of me. He wasn't joking. Because when God shows you your future, Satan will show you your past. And the cool thing, we, when we understand who we are and we understand what God has done for us and that, that the fact when we repent for our sin, he chooses to completely forget about it. So in this equation, we have us, we have God, and we have Satan. There's only two people in that, in that equation that remember what we did. And God is speaking to us saying, this is who you are. This is who I want you to be. He doesn't remember who he used to be. All he sees is his creation. All he sees is potential and promise that he's placed inside of us because he's created us all to be great. He's created us all to, to influence our world around us. That's, that's what he created us for. We're commissioned to go change our world. So all he sees is promise. All he sees is potential. All he sees are the plans that he has for us. He, don't see, he doesn't see what happened to us before. He doesn't see what we did before and what we said before because he chooses to forget. So the only people or beings in this equation that remember our past is the accuser telling us who we were and us feeling guilty because of who we were. Understand that I can do all things through Christ. When he shows up trying to remind me of who I was, it has no bearing on who, who I can be because God's word is final. Amen. God's word is final. When I'm trying to read, read God's word, distractions will drive me crazy. The psalmist said, I hide God's word in my heart. Why? So I don't sin against him. And when I'm trying to ingest and digest the word of God, Satan will do things. He will use people. He'll use your kids. He'll use your spouse. He'll use something breaking in your house or your car or something, you know, catchy come on the radio or a TV or you get a pop-up on your computer. Something will happen to interrupt what you're doing. When I'm trying to stop smoking, I'll see ads, commercials. People around me are going to be smoking, tempting me. And we got some people that are doing well with that, and you're amazing. Amazing. Amen. But understand, we're trying to break free of something. Satan's going to try to trip you up and, and, and mess you up. When I'm trying to stop overeating, or I'm trying to start eat healthy, I'm going to pass a McDonald's. I'm going to see a McDonald's commercial. And I'm going to want a Big Mac. Big Mac's the best thing on the menu, McDonald's. I'll tell you a story. 
This past Thursday, we were working on Savannah and Nick's wedding. And it was a great day, by the way. Amazing kids. We were working on their wedding, and it was, I don't know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I live in the country. It's close, but it's country. And the only thing between the church where the reception was and my house is Waffle House. I like Waffle House, too. They don't care about health codes. Or health inspections. Somebody can be smoking while they're making your eggs. And there, there might be ash in the eggs. Get some character. A little bit of texture. It's a Waffle House, a Burger King, a Wendy's, and a McDonald's. That's what's open between that church and my house at 10 o'clock at night. And I hadn't, had, I hadn't eaten since like 1 or 12.30. Scott was hungry. Tawana was driving behind me. I said, babe, I'll stop at McDonald's. I said, what do you want? She said, it's late. I want the fish. It's light. I said, okay, I'm getting a Big Mac. <laughs> hadn't had one in a long time. But I was, I was hungry. And I was going to have me a Big Mac. And I got a Big Mac and French fries and a Coke. And at 10.20 at night, I ate that stuff. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I could do it okay at 20 and 25 and even 30. But at 45, when I got up Friday morning to go to the gym, mm -mm. I went to the gym. I didn't stay. Because I, I felt like I had a 25-pound boulder sitting right in my belly. I said, Tawana, that was bad. I made a mistake. When I'm trying to do the right thing and I'm hungry and it's late, there's going to be the golden arches because now they're open 24 hours. And I have the choice to make the right or wrong decision. And I made the wrong decision. I am not going to stand here and be fake and lie to you. I messed up. Y'all may not struggle with that. I thank you. I'm feeling pretty lonely up here right now. When I want to do the right thing, the wrong thing is always there with me, and I will have the choice to do it, and I have to make the right and better decision. When I'm trying to have a healthy relationship, Satan will remind me what went wrong in my previous relationship, and he's going to cast doubt in my mind. He's going to put fear in me that the same thing is going to happen again. It's going to be messed up, and it's not going to be right. It's not going to be good. Understand that God's got you. He's got me, and my relationships can be healthy. I can come against what's what Satan's trying to do in my life, and I can have healthy relationships. When I'm trying to stop looking at pornography, I'm going to see ads. I'm going to see commercials. I'll see a billboard. I'll see something or a person that's dressed crazy. And, and it's, I, I'll have a choice to go down that path or not. And if I'm fighting for my freedom... If I'm fighting for relief from that problem and from that addiction, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pause and I'm going to say, what, what, to click or not to click? Yeah. To change a channel or not to change a channel? To delete the email or keep it? Y'all, this is real. I'm going to have a choice of what to do. And, and when I want to make the right choice, the, the wrong choice is right there with me. And I have the choice to, to do what's going to keep me free or what's going to put me back in chains. 
And I've got to choose. I've got to fight. I've got to be strong. I've got to decide and determine this is not who I am and this is not who I will be. When I'm trying so hard to stop gossiping. This is real too. When I'm trying so hard to stop gossiping, somebody's going to call me or send me a text or an email with the, the juiciest scoop on somebody. And I'm going to have a choice. Do I listen? Do I receive that about that person who I will never look at the same way again? Let me, let me ask you a question. And this is completely hypothetical and there's no truth anywhere in this. Okay? If somebody came to you and said they saw Pastor Andrew with somebody that wasn't his wife, would you ever look at him the same way again? Even if he was absolved, there'd be something that you would never look at him the same way again. Or me, if it was said about me. My point is this. When we open our minds and we open our ears and we open our hearts to negative talk about somebody else, it affects not just that moment. But it affects two years from now when you look at that person because what you think and what you heard about that person comes back and it's played out in your mind and you have doubts about that person. So when I have the choice or when, when, when I'm trying to be free of that kind of destructive, stinking cancer, that's all gossip is. When I have the, the chance to be free of that, somebody's going to present me with an opportunity to get right back in that pig pen and wallow in gossip. Did I paint a nasty enough picture of that stuff? It's bad. When I'm trying, and I don't think we have that problem, and I'm very grateful for that. Thank you, Jesus. If, 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 you do, if we do have that problem, you hide it well enough that I don't know about it. So thank you for being really fake. <laughs> I appreciate that. Because I don't want to hear about it. When I'm trying to forgive people, this is last week. When I'm trying to forgive people of hurts that I carry, someone will offend me. And I'll have a chance to pick it right back up. And it may be someone that's on your list of people to forgive. Happened to me this week. I'm not perfect, y'all. I got as much flesh as anybody in here. This week. I had a choice to be free or to pick up the stuff. And I'll be honest, I might have carried it for a couple of minutes <laughs> or a couple hours. It's, it's a true story. That, that stuff is hard. When, when somebody hurts and, and tramples on your, your feelings and, and your, your, your life, you have to choose freedom at that point. You have to choose forgiveness. And you may be in the process of forgiving that person. And they may do it again. And you forgive them again. They may do it again. There's a reason why 70 times 7 is in the Bible. That's a bunch of forgiving for a bunch of offenses. So I'm just saying, when, when I am trying to do the right thing, the wrong thing is always there with me. It's, it's the law that, that when I would do the right thing and live in freedom, Satan is surely going to make sure that I have the opportunity to put my chains of slavery right back on and carry those things. And live under the weight of those chains. This is why we fight. This is why we fight to live free and to spread freedom wherever we can. So it sounds ominous. So is, is all hope lost? Are we doomed? No. He said in verse 25, thanks be 
to God. He delivers me because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. In my inability to forgive, he helps me forgive. In my inability to say no to the Big Mac, he helps me, and I listen most of the time. <laughs> when I can't, he can. Why did I tell you the Big Mac story? To understand that you're going to mess up. Let's just say it. You're going to make the wrong decision sometimes. And you might suffer the consequences of it like I did. They may be different consequences, but it's going to hurt. It'll hurt for a minute, but it'll pass. Like a kidney stone, right? But it'll pass. There may be pain involved. But thanks be to God who delivers me. 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. What you're going through is normal. It's common. It's everyday stuff. It may seem like it's impossible for you. It may seem like there's no hope. But what you're going through is common to mankind. And God is what? He is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But, this is the best part, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. My way out was to keep driving. And instead, I turned right. That's what, it's as simple as that. My way out at that point in my temptation on Thursday night was to keep driving straight instead of turning right, and I turned right and messed up. Your way out may be to hang the phone up. It may be to click on a different website. It may be to, to forgive somebody again for just a horrible hurt in your life. Whatever your way out is, God will provide the way out for your life. Do I have to make the right choices? I do. But in my weakness, he is strong. His spirit empowers me to make the right decision so I can what? I can win the battle. I'm going to win every time I make the right decision. It's as simple as that. I will win every time that I make the right decision and I got to hurry. I refuse to give up. Is anybody else in here stubborn? I hope you are. I refuse to give. I refuse to lose. Why? Because I'm going to fight and I'm going to win. Listen to this story. In June, on June 6, 1918, World War I, there was a battle fought to stem the German advance to Paris. The Germans were between 30 and 40 miles outside Paris, and they were advancing quickly. And, and the, the call went to a, a, a regiment of Marines. And you'll hear more Marine stories because I was a Marine. I like them. But anyway, um, the, the call went to Marines to go fight and, and try to pu uh, push the Germans back. And, and what transpired was the, the Battle of, of Belle Woods in Germany. I'm sorry, in, in France. Um, the battle lasted three weeks. That's a long battle. That's a long battle. And I knew the history of this because when, when you get to boot camp and you're, you're, you're in the Marines, and, and Jeff, you can relate to this. Any other Marines in here? Okay. First of all, you get shocked out of your mind, and it's just crazy, and it's unbelievable if you've been sheltered like I was. And it's just a whole new world that's not good. And, and you get your, your clothes and sweatshirts and tennis shoes and boots and all this kind of stuff issued to you, and you get a book that's like a plastic cover, and inside was a bunch of pages, and they called it your knowledge. That's the beginning of your brainwashing. It's your knowledge. It's like you need to do everything in here and nothing else in the world matters. Right? 
Nothing else in the world matters besides your knowledge. And this was, this was in there. But I learned some things about this battle as, as I was researching this. I knew Bella Woods happened. I knew that's where Marine, Marines got their name, Devil Dog. I, I knew all that because the Germans called them dogs from hell because they were so t- tenacious and, and they refused to lose. But what happened? This battle lasted three weeks. The Germans were dug in in a position. They had interlocking fields of fire. They had holes dug. They had machine gun nests. They had everything set up, and they were ready to go. And the Marines were across a field of wheat and a meadow. So what was between them and machine guns was a field of wheat. Who's seen wheat? How tall is it? Yeah. Knee, waist, maybe. So they had to advance across this field into the face of machine gun fire. They attacked once, repelled. Attacked twice, retreat. Three times, retreat. Four times, retreat. Five, the fifth time, they, I mean, they're losing people. The first, the first charge across the field, they lost their CO, gone, dead. And they're losing men, losing men, fighting, fighting, fighting. One, two, three, four. On the fifth time, they got a little, a little piece of the bottom of the woods, a little bitty bottom portion of the woods. And they had this little foothold in there. And on the sixth charge, they overran the Germans. A smaller force overrunning a much superior force that was dug in. And that's where the Marine Corps got their, the Marines got their name Devil Dog because the Germans said they were like dogs or hounds from hell. The point is this. They were freedom fighters. They were just men. In this instance, Marines. It could have been the Army. It could have been the Air Force dropping bombs. It was, it could, but it was Marines in this, in this battle. They were securing and protecting freedom. If they... It may not seem like a big deal to you that the Germans were 30 to 40 miles outside of Paris. But let's say that an invading army was in Bel Air right now. Or Pasadena. Or Catonsville. How safe would you feel right now? Not very safe, right? If it was the war machine of somebody like the Germans, you wouldn't feel very safe. And they were the only thing that stood between. Paris would be very different today if the Germans had gotten in there. They were the only thing that stood between a free city and, and something that, that did not resemble freedom at all. They didn't succeed the first five times. The first four times, there was no progress whatsoever. The fifth time, they got a little bit. And on the sixth time, they overran. Why am I saying all this? Because we will fail. We will fail. We will make mistakes. We're going to fall and mess up, and we're going to bust our face on the pavement. And we're going to feel stupid. And sometimes we're going to feel humiliated. But guess what? If we get back up, we got another shot. If we, if we refuse to lose, we got another shot. Why? Because we're fighting for our freedom. I'm fighting for my kids. I'm fighting for my grandkids. I'm fighting for your kids. Because I refuse to lose and live in bondage. Bottom line. Don't give up. Get. Who's failed this week? I'm glad some of y'all are very perfect. You need to repent for lying. <laughs> Straight face, dead serious. Don't give up. <laughs> Get back up. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says this: For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The righteous fall seven times and get back up. You may fall seven times. You may fall 12 times. You may fall 126 times. The number is irrelevant. What is relevant is what happens when you fall. 
What happens when you make a mistake? What happens when you say the wrong thing? What happens when you eat the wrong thing? What happens when you look at the wrong thing? What happens when you hear the wrong thing or say the wrong thing? That's what matters. That's what dictates your future. That's what dictates if you live in freedom or in bondage. Do you get back up or do you lay there and say, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. God can never use me. You're believing the lie. Because once you've repented, he doesn't even remember who you were. He doesn't know what you did. You're being reminded by the wrong person, and you're taking what he says as gospel. You're listening to the wrong gospel. Don't give up. You're fighting for your freedom. You're fighting for the people who are watching you. Because there are people that are watching to see if it sticks. There are people that are watching to see if, if you really have something that you say you have, and if something really different has happened to you than what's happened before. Because maybe you've done something else and you fell. Done something else and you fell. Maybe you're just, just seeing it. How long is this going to stick? Don't stop. Don't lay there. Don't give up. The beacon for freedom in this world is Lady Liberty. She says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It's amazing. That's an amazing statement. She's an amazing symbol for freedom, but I have one better. She's the symbol for freedom around the world, but the cross is a symbol. The cross is the symbol for freedom for eternity. It's the one that really matters. It's through the cross that we have this freedom. It's through the sacrifice of Jesus that we can be delivered from what has us bound in chains right now. It's, it's the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made that can free us from the destructive behavior that messes our life up. So she said, bring me your huddled masses and, and all that. But this is what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. King James says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Does anybody feel heavy? You, you feel heavy from your mistakes and your problems and the things that weigh you down and the situations that are just jacked up and not going your way. That's what Jesus says. That's universal. That's universal. 